Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. A wise person told me one time, the most terrible emotional wound of all is the wound of betrayal. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. We're nearing the end of a 10-week series on the life and leadership of King David. We've been dealing with decision-making, with executive leadership, um, with the application of David's management skills into the 21st century. But today, I want to deal with something completely different. If this is the first in this whole series on King David that you've Uh, tuned in for. That's all right. They're all archived. I hope you'll go back and find them, everyone. But if if you only watch this one, I believe it'll be a blessing to you because every one of us at one time or another have experienced the sting of betrayal. And it it is a wound. It's a terrible emotional blow. So I want to just talk to you about King David and his uh, how he dealt with the emotional issue of, of betrayal. So the first thing is this, David himself was a loyal person. Now, let me just say he made one atrociously disloyal decision, and that was he was disloyal to his friend Uriah the Hittite and seduced his wife, and he was disloyal to his other wives, but he was a polygamist, uh, as were all the ancient kings at that time. But David, uh, his betrayal with Bathsheba was a moment of disloyalty. He suffered for it. He repented of it. And, uh, and it was a, a grievous time in David's life. But Bathsheba aside, I, I think I can state this categorically, that one of the consistent prevailing and presiding values in David's life and in all of his relationships was the, was the, the commitment to loyalty. David believed in it. But having said that, please hear what I'm going to say to you now. This is not to be cynical. It's to be realistic. You can be loyal and faithful in all your relationships, and it cannot, it cannot necessarily make others be loyal and faithful to you. You make your own decisions, and you live inside those decisions and what that value dictates in your decisions, but you can't make other people's decisions. So no matter how faithful you are, someone can be faithless. No matter how loyal you are, someone can be disloyal. So I want to look at some ways in which this affected the life and the emotional well-being of King David. The first was his relationship with his own family. Uh, David was an exceptional child. He was um, brilliant, bright, a musical prodigy, um, uh, used supernaturally in battle. He killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands when he was a child. He was the youngest of eight sons And the others were virtually grown when he was still a young boy before the age of bar mitzvah. So so they were very envious and jealous of David. They they felt like he was, as older siblings often do, think that that one is is singled out for favor. And David wasn't. He just said it was this favor of God on his life. And that's a sovereign issue. God chooses. And somehow God didn't choose Eliab or Abinadab, he chose David, the youngest. 
And the hand of God was on David uh, like a light shining in a, in a dark closet. And they could see that. But that did not make them like it. Even when David showed up at the army camp of King Saul and was, saw the, the challenge of Goliath, when David stepped up and said, look, I, I just want to know what will be done for the man that kills this giant. His brothers accuse him. Listen to what they say. We know the naughtiness of thine heart. In other words, they are projecting onto David. He's innocent. He just wants to do the right thing. He wants to fight for king and country. He wants to defend the reputation of God and the army of God. And his brothers accuse him falsely, projecting on him the wickedness in their own hearts. Now listen to what I'm going to teach you. Those people who accuse you falsely much of the time, most of the time, are actually projecting onto you that of which they themselves are capable. So the first person to scream liar is probably one who in that same circumstance would lie. So they accuse David of being naughty in his heart, but the fact of the matter is it's their own envy. Well, as we know, as everybody knows, David defeated Goliath. Saul, his King then gives him his daughter, as he promised. Uh, his daughter, Michael, marries uh, David, and Michael loves her. Saul's son, Jonathan, uh, enters into a wonderful best friend forever relationship with David. And Saul allows this same envy and bitterness to creep into his heart. He begins to, to hate David, to fear him. He's, he's jealous of him. He's envious of him. And then he projects onto David, again, the same thing. He projects onto David his own disloyalty. He thinks that David is trying to steal his throne. Because why? If Saul were in that position, Saul would try to steal it. He projects that David is disloyal because Saul was disloyal. So one of the elements of this kind of emotional betrayal, once we can ever get this fixed in our minds, People accuse us of that of which they themselves are guilty. Saul becomes so emotionally distraught and overwrought that finally he tries to kill David. He throws a spear at him. David narrowly avoids it. And David has to flee in the night. Now, what do we learn from David about these two incidences? The one with his brothers and the other with King Saul. It is this. David fixed his heart and mind on who God was. He said to his brothers, is there not a cause? In other words, he said, I'm doing the work and leadership that God has given me. I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. My heart is pure. As far as I know, I'm doing the right thing the right way, and God has called me to it. And I'm simply not going to be turned aside. I'm not going to be distracted with your bitterness and envy and resentment. But he did not allow himself to respond in kind. He didn't hate his brothers. Later on, when David becomes a leader in Israel, who are some of his best soldiers? His older brothers. David welcomes them back in. He takes care of his family. He leads them, guides them, provides for them. David is quick to forgive, but he knows that his family has been disloyal to him and envious of him and he refuses to allow that to turn him aside emotionally. So the first clue is this. When you realize that people are envious and 
striving with you and angry and disloyal with you, then you need to know it. You need to face it. But keep your eyes on the prize. Do what you've been called to do. Be faithful, even when others are faithless. You be loyal to God and to the people put in your life, even if some people are disloyal to you. Now, what about Saul? We come to that question. With Saul, David, there was nothing David could do. With his brothers, he just had to wait, and they were reunited, and he forgave them and brought them back into the fold. And they submitted themselves to David's leadership and to his royal authority when he became king. That was not possible with Saul. I hate to tell you this, but if you, if you haven't, if you're not experienced enough to know it yet, let me be the one to break it to you. There are some people that no matter how well you treat them, love them, forgive them, you can't change them. David knew he could not change Saul. He, there, was, there was no way to heal that relationship. It was broken beyond any hope of healing. All that David could do was keep himself from responding in kind. Not once, but twice in the battlefield, when Saul was chasing David with an army, David had two wonderful opportunities to murder Saul, to kill him, and probably could have even claimed the throne. He probably would have been welcomed by the army if he had done it. Instead, both times, David refused to fight fire with fire. He refused. Saul would have killed him. Trust me. Trust the word. Saul would have killed David in a New York minute. But, in, but David refuses to let Saul's sin infiltrate his emotions. Yes, David is hurt. He's wounded. He says to Saul over and over again, he says, why, why are you chasing me? I'm one of your most loyal people. I love you. You're my father-in-law. You're my king. I'm not trying to kill you. Why are you chasing a flea in the wilderness? This is, this is crazy. And over and over again, Saul repents. Oh, I'm sorry, David. Oh, I won't let it happen anymore. I'm going back to Gibeon. I'll leave you alone here. But David knows Saul's heart is so bent. He's so filled with envy and strife and bitterness and sin and carnality. David knows he's not going to follow through on that. He knows Saul can't be healed. David can't heal him. He can't heal him. And he refuses to kill him. So what do you do? You simply back away. You let that person deal with their own sin and their own carnality and their own emotional challenges. There's, there are just some people, listen to me, if you can only hear this one thing today, there are some people that you can't heal. What you also can't allow is for their emotional sickness to make you emotionally sick. Sometimes the only thing you can do is separate yourself, cleanse your heart, stay fixed on what God has for you. Now, that's not the last moments of David experiencing disloyalty. Then he experiences the disloyalty of two of his own sons, Absalom first, and then Adonijah. David is deeply grieved by the first one who rebels against him, Absalom. Absalom tries to steal his throne, steal his leadership, take his position, and drive David into the wilderness at best and maybe kill him. And David flees. He, he doesn't want to fight his own son. He doesn't want this struggle. But David also knows that he has to take care of the nation. Absalom is not the God-sent king. God's hand is not on Absalom, and David knows that. So David knows that the civil war is going to happen. It's going to happen. What he doesn't want, 
he doesn't want the responsibility for Absalom's death. So he commands his soldiers, we're going to win this battle, but don't kill Absalom. And then Absalom is killed by Joab against David's orders. And David grieves. Look, look at this man. He has been betrayed by his son, hated by his son. His, his son has been disloyal to him, tried to steal his throne, tried to steal his position of leadership, drives him out of his own palace and, and, and other terrible things. And still, when Absalom dies, David grieves. Oh, Absalom, Absalom, would that I had died for thee. This is the heart of David, loyal and faithful, even to people that were disloyal and unfaithful to him. The same thing happens again later on with Adonijah. I'm not going to zero in on that, only to say, if you feel that there are people in your life that have been disloyal to you, that have betrayed you and left you, you're not unique. You're not the first person it's ever happened to. Learn from King David. Be faithful and loyal yourself. Be forgiving and full of mercy. But at the same time, once you know who somebody is, don't let yourself be exposed to danger because of them. When they're throwing that spear at your head, it's time to leave. Doesn't mean you have to be disloyal or try to tear them down or hurt them, but you may need to separate yourself from them for your own safety and for your own security. One last thing. I, I don't preach on this podcast very often, but I've got a word for you today, and some of you need to hear this. And here it is. Who experienced the worst kind of betrayal ever? It wasn't King David. It was King Jesus. His very best friend, one of his very best friends, his 12 senior associates, betrayed him with a kiss. What a terrible, vile betrayal. And yet, as he hung on the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you can enter in to that level of forgiveness from the Lord Jesus Christ, it may not change the hearts of people that are disloyal and unfaithful to you. But listen to me, my friend. It will heal your heart. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this teaching. And I hope that it'll be a blessing to you as you come into the difficulties and hardships of life. I want you to have this book now, David the Great. Uh, I'm so proud and thrilled with the thousands and thousands and thousands of copies we've sold of this book and how it's blessed so many, particularly men. Not exclusively. Many women read it, but it has been a great blessing to men. David was a man's man. And 21 Seconds to Change Your World, a book about the Lord's Prayer, and the 23rd Psalm. And then this book, uh, uh, right after the first of the year, I'm going to be teaching a whole series on this book, Courage to Be Healed, about emotional healing. I hope that you'll get all these books. If you go to drmarkrutland.com, if you'll enter in the promo code NOTEBOOK2020, you'll get a 40% discount on your entire purchase. Load your card up, get everything you want, and it'll be a great blessing to you and to many. I hope you'll give a lot of Christmas gifts from uh, drmarkrutland.com. None of it comes to me. I just want you to know that. All of the proceeds from drmarkrutland.com go exclusively to the missions program of Global Servants, particularly our girls' homes, House of Grace, in Thailand and West Africa, Ghana. I hope that you'll look that up on the Global Servants website. I hope that you'll sign up there to receive a free copy of the We Serve magazine. Until we meet again, this is The Leader's Notebook, and I'm Mark Rutland. 
You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.